Hello. Today, I get the joy of doing the third talk in our mini-series, um, of unpacking our mission statement as a church, which is Gloucester Vineyard Church, creating communities um, which bring hope and joy to Gloucestershire. So two weeks ago, Claire looked at um, the importance of community, what can hinder healthy community and living with an abundance mindset. Thank you, Claire. Last week, Daniel looked at biblical hope um, being a gateway into living differently um, with Jesus as a living hope in this world. And today, I get to unpack a bit about joy, um, what it is to live joyful lives, why it's so important, um, and I can't wait because it is one of my all-time top chart-hitting number one pop radio station topics, joy. I really love joy, um, partly because it feels really good to be joyful, yes, um, but mostly because I think our world flipping needs it. Um, I've never met anyone who says that is quite enough joy now. Um, some sorrow is needed to balance the scales. Um, so um, I've been feeling a bit grumpy this weekend, um, which is perfect for doing a talk on joy. Um, I've been feeling a little bit maxed out. Um, so I'm just going to take a moment to pray. Let's welcome Holy Spirit. Father God, we thank you for who you are and how you have made me, how you have made us as a community. God, we thank you that you are a joyful God um, and we just invite you to come and be the loudest presence this afternoon. Holy Spirit, will you come and move among us? as we explore what it is to live in the tension of this world, um, but with your joy. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. So, yes, feel in safe hands, because I've been super grumpy this weekend. So, come as you are. We're going to talk about joy. Yay! <laughs> um, in fact, I thought that we'd just start with a little bit of frivolous joy. Who wants to watch a little video? Um, this is just a baby laughing at ripping paper, and I thought it would be a nice way to start. Here we go. Um, do you know what's even more fun is that, I don't know if this is true or not, but the internet says that apparently that's a job rejection letter from the dad as well. So he's like, yeah, screw you, job. Um, anyway, see, just simply um, acknowledging a bit of joy brings a bit of joy. Um, and I love that it's a bit of a multiplier, right? It's a bit of a grower. Um, before we get digging in then, oh, can I have a glamorous assistant, please? Who is willing to write? There we go. Willing to write nice and clearly? Yes, thank you, Bridget. Grab yourself a darker pen would be better. So, we're going to do a little bit of word association. I say joy, you say ice cream, for example. 
which you can absolutely write on there, um, because that is one of my biggest joys. Um, I say joy, you say dance. Oh, I like it. I say joy, oh, sorry. Yeah. I say joy, you say hubbies, puppies. <laughs> Not hubbies. Ouch, sorry, Don. Threw you under the bus there, didn't I? Puppies. Excellent. Sorry, what did you say? Family. I say joy, you say family. I say joy, you say food. More Lord. I say joy, you say sunshine. I say joy, you say Christmas. Oh, yes. I... Honestly, this afternoon, Ellie requested, my daughter requested uh, us reading The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. And I went, oh, this is bringing a bit of joy to my grump. I felt a bit grinchy. And then my heart grew three times. Um, any, okay, uh, three more. I say joy, you say? Beach. I say joy, you say? Hmm? Mountains. Deep. One more. I say joy, you say? Gardening. Excellent. I love it. Everyone's like, I don't agree with half of the ones on there. Um, brilliant. Thank you. That's just a bit of fun. Thank you, Bridget. Everyone give Bridget a round of applause. Yes. So today we're talking about joy. Um, and we're going to be unpacking why it's part of our vision statement because um, my observation, it's a very simple one, but my observation has been that um, the majority of people generally fall into one of two camps. Camp number one, those who love all things joyful and bright and cheery, yay, joy. And camp number two, those who hate camp number one people, as a general, <laughs> getting some nods in the room, like, um, anyone self-identifying here? So camp number one, lovely, happy, the, the world should be more joyful, God is good, like why would you not be more joyful, um, why don't you just try and kind of like get some more joy from within you, what, like, just force it out, just, just fake it till you make it, be more joyful and that's about the height and depth of it. And camp number two, those who see joy as a bit of a frivolous addition to life, like it's nice, of course, but it's not necessary, is it? Um, or even who find joy a bit tricky and troublesome, like it's a bit disrespectful um, sometimes when it comes to kind of seeing and experiencing the pain that this world has to offer. Like it's not a particularly vital part of life, not enough to make a, a mission statement around it, that's for sure. And today, I kind of want to challenge both of those camps um, and propose that we, as Gloucester Vineyard Church, we want to be a community that lives in Camp 3. I want to propose that there is a third camp that says that you can live in and experience this world and yet find a deep and rich joy and live a joy-filled life. That those two things, the rubbish of this world and joy are not opposites or incompatible or, or actually correlated at all. Like camp three, in camp three, you find a people who are made by a joyful God 
who find joy even in the chaos. Are you in? Brilliant. So, for me, I'm probably more naturally inclined to be a Camp One kind of person. Sorry. Um, like, way. let's not take ourselves too seriously. Let's be a bit happy-go-lucky. Um, but I'm also not oblivious to the world. Um, as Emily, um, as a pastor, as a nurse, as a sister and a friend, a neighbor, um, a colleague, a daughter, I have experienced and I have witnessed enough of life to get that joy doesn't always seem attainable. I know that joy can be really hard to find sometimes, can't it? Like, where's the joy when people are sick and in pain? Like, where's the joy when hearts are breaking and debts are building up? Like, joy is really hard to find sometimes. And who else in those moments has wanted to slap a camp one person around the face when they turn around and say, turn that frown upside down? Or like, or as Daniel was talking about last week, is just kind of baselessly optimistic, like, I'm sure it will be fine. How? Why? Like, how can you say that? Because cheap and shallow joy is a really effective way of totally undermining someone else's experience and their situation. Sometimes simply living life feels like moment-to-moment survival, and the idea of joy being present can just sometimes feel like a troublesome or a tricky concept. But this is why I think that Camp 3 is a really vital space to fill, because it acknowledges all the stuff of this world, all the circumstances that want to rob us of our joy, and it refuses to allow us to be robbed. Camp 3 identifies that there is a joy that is crucially not based on circumstance. It's not about looking at what's in front of us and just looking really hard to try and find that silver lining. Like, like the silver lining is not the joy, is it? Like finding it and picking it up. Joyful feelings pass, and basing our joy in people or things that can't or won't last means that it's all dependent on what's in front of us. But biblical joy, where I propose camp three, is all about perspective. You see, throughout the Bible, we see God's people. So in the Old Testament, the first two-thirds of the Bible, um, we see God's people, the Israelites. And the early church in the New Testament, the next third of the Bible, um, so the, the Israelites in the Old Testament, the early church in the New Testament, we see God's people being persistently persecuted, exiled, and oppressed, yet remaining joyful. One of um, Jesus' followers, a guy called Paul, he was like a super-duper church planter, he wrote a letter to a church in Philippi in Greece, Um, whilst he was in prison for his faith in Jesus. Um, And it's basically one long joy letter. If you want to read a joyful letter, um, it's a short book called Philippians. You can find it about 90% of the way through your Bible. Um, And it ends with Paul saying this. I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. 
I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, um, that phrase right at the start, to be content with whatever I have. The original language that Paul uses here is one of abundance. He's saying that he has learned to live in abundance no matter what the circumstances are in front of him. That he has learned to live from the overflow rather than from the lack. That his joy was not based on circumstances. That his well-being was not on the situation in front of him. Paul is firmly placed in camp three, I would suggest. His circumstances were rubbish. He was in prison, which I'm guessing is probably not like the awful prison that we have now. It's probably worse. I'm like, he was in prison and his circumstances were not determining his joy. And the question is, how? How can that be? And he gives us a little clue. Through the strength of Christ. You see, Paul had met Jesus. He had tasted life in the kingdom of God, one of deep healing, one of freedom and hope and wholeness and oneness with a loving God. And from that relationship with Jesus, he had strength to live abundantly, whatever his circumstances. Now, Apologies for jumping around and straight into another bit of Bible, but what Paul is saying here about strength is kind of ding, ding, ding. If you, if you follow me, you might know where I'm heading. Um, it's strength is ding, ding, ding off in my head. Um, and there's a passage in the Bible in a book called Nehemiah that says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I love this. It's like a, a lovely fridge magnet phrase, isn't it? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Bless you bless you. Um, But I pick up on it because, again, it uses the word strength, like Paul in the middle of talking about all of life's circumstances. If joy is a frivolous addition to life, like it's the icing on the cake, if you're lucky and you're optimistic, um, then strength has absolutely nothing to do with it. I love this verse, not because it's uh, a trite little bumper sticker, but because of that word, strength. Follow me on this one. I mean, it doesn't take much to follow me. Um, Let's show a picture. Who here needs to be really strong to carry this lovely pile of feathers? Hey, you can see what I'm doing here. And the next one, who here needs a lot of strength to hold up this candy floss? No, thank you very much. You don't need strength unless you're carrying something heavy, right? The Bible never tells us that life is going to be easy. God never promises us an easy ride. I mean, if he did, everyone would just do this kind of transactional, if I believe, God gives me an easy ride, cosmic vending machine, tick. We're never promised an easy ride, but we are promised that Despite our circumstances, despite what is in front of us or how we might feel, we will never 
be forgotten. We will never be abandoned. We are promised that despite what we see in front of us, there is a day that's coming when all of the absolute crap of this world will be done. I feel doesn't make you want to cry like it does me because we've seen enough of it. Then I don't know what will because life can be really, really rubbish. But we are promised that it's not the end. Like our circumstances don't have to have the final say. I love this verse because it declares joy as a strength and not as an addition or a treat or something that you get when life is like light and airy. It's not the result of happy circumstance. It is a strength. It declares joy as a backbone to help us stand upright. Like it declares joy as armor to fight in or as muscles for dancing because Joy is a way of sticking two fingers up to all of the crap of this world and going, I refuse to be robbed right now. It declares joy as healthy and life-giving and for people who are carrying a load of stuff and feel really weak. Joy is a refusal to be robbed by our circumstances because joy is our strength. Where's our strength? From a living God. Throughout the Bible, we see God's people, the Israelites, the early church, people who come into contact with a living, steadfast, stable, life-giving God. We see God's people finding joy in him in the good news that he brings that this is not all that there is. We see God's people finding joy in relying on a faithful God who gets it, who understands, who's unchanging, who is ever-loving. We see God's people finding joy in relying on a faithful God who has promised us that this is not the final destination. This is good news which brings great joy. And this joy is the strength needed to carry all of the stuff. Camp three is about acknowledging all the circumstances, all the things and the people that want to rob us of our joy and refusing to allow that to happen. Camp three is about finding our strength in the joy of the Lord and his kingdom that is here and is coming. Can I get an amen? Thank you. I need to go to a Pentecostal church for this, don't I? But even more than that, and this is one of my favorite things, is that Camp 3 is not a lonely place to be. It's really important for us to realize that, as with everything we do with faith, we're not meant to be doing this alone. Um, Paul, throughout his letter to the Philippian church, as we mentioned earlier, he harps on about how much joy he finds in them, in the church. He says, I remember you with joy. I'm praying for you with joy. He found joy in his community. Because sometimes it's hard to see the wood from the trees in life. 
It's hard to consider, um, at, uh, consider joy as at all present or possible. But that is why community, why church community is so necessary. For we are the body of Christ. We are Jesus' hands and his feet in this world. We are a community of the good news of the kingdom of God. We are the body of Christ, where there is freedom for those in captivity. In the kingdom of God, where there is healing for the sick. Where tears are wiped away, where there is light and there is life where there is joy. So, when life hits the fan and we're finding it hard to honestly be faithful to God and remember all his promises to us on our own, we can come to each other. We can come to community and we can find people who will remind us of the truth of our faith, of the hope that is set before us of the strength that joy in the Lord gives and that we're struggling to locate. We find people who can help us live in the abundance of a joyful God. You meet Jesus, you find joy. You encounter the kingdom of God, you find joy. You meet the people of God, I flip and hope you find joy. We talk about wanting to create communities of hope and joy in Gloucestershire because we believe that that is exactly what our community needs. It needs hope and it needs joy. There's a million other words we could have used in here. Love, peace, patience, goodness, or fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5, go check it out. Um, But there's a million other words we could have used. But honestly, I wanted to champion joy because I see so little of it so often either because life gives us a battering, and I appreciate I get a frontline view of that as a nurse, but a lot of it around. You don't have to be a nurse to see it. Either because life gives us a battering or because we're kind of humdrum, apathy, tumpy-tum, and maybe the odd smattering of joy because it's like the cherry on the cake. Like we say, it's not that important. It's nice, but if you get it from time to time. That, that's why I see a lack of joy, either because life is really hard or because people don't care about it. And I just wonder, what if God actually wants us to experience joy? Like, if you have parents or have children, there is something about parents wanting their children to experience joy. Like, that is a real thing, and it doesn't have to be deep and rich and earnest. Joy, joy is good. Like what if God wants us to experience joy? Like what if going out for ice cream um, or tickling your kids until they wee themselves a little bit? Like what if, what if that's like God's goodness to us and his desire for us to live joyful lives? What if God's desire is to, um, is that we embrace more than a tumpy-tum occasional smattering of joy, depending on the circumstance in our humdrum life. That we embrace joy wherever we can because we need it, it's good for us, and because our world needs it. And then, what if, when life hits the fan, there's a community of people who acknowledge all the hurt and the pain, but are championing a way of life 
defined by joy. Championing the good news that the circumstances in front of us are not the end. What if, when life hits the fan, there's a community of people who will sit and cry with you, who'll get active in helping the practical stuff that you need, whose hearts will ache with you. Um, as Paul said in another one of his letters, um, he, said, he says to the church, our hearts ache. Like, it's not about ignoring pain. It's not trying to brush over it or sweep it under the carpet. It's about sitting with people and saying, my heart aches with you but who's also a community who will remind us and show us that this is not the whole story, that there is a greater game at play. The second half to that sentence when Paul says, our hearts ache, is our hearts ache, there you go, but we always have joy. Like, this is not some frivolous addition to life. I cannot tell you how much I believe that this is a real staple in us being able to live this world. Like our hearts ache for the brokenness of our friends, ourselves, our families, our community. Our hearts are aching, but we always have joy. We refuse to be robbed of that. We stand firmly in Camp 3. What if when life hits the fan, a community of people come alongside us, lift our eyes to a greater perspective and remind us that we live with a God of good news, which brings great joy. That will remind us that the joy of the Lord is the strength that we need to walk this life. That this is not the end, that there is hope on the horizon and so we're going to spend the next five, five or ten minutes um, being that community for each other. So if it's your first time, welcome. Um, and Gloucester Vineyard Church, this is your moment to be really welcoming and really kind to people for whom it's their first time here. Um, we're going to go into, I'm going to say four groups now and we're going to we're going to pray for each other if you're comfortable with that um so if we can have like a group here group there group there and a group here um and we are going to pray and we're going to stand with people who are not feeling any of the joy at the moment we are going to be um standing with the people who think that everything i've just said is a load of rubbish because that is not the reality that they're living in um and we are going to be a community that brings joy to each other. Um, so, if you, so there's two things. If you are not feeling joyful in any way, if there's an element of dread or deep sorrow, this is a moment for you to get prayed for. Equally, if that's not you, this is your moment to be like, hey, we live in Camp 3. Like, I, I hear you, I sit with you, I cry with you. Let me help remind you of of the goodness of God. Does that sound like a plan? So, Danny, could you put on some chilled music in the background? That would be amazing. Um, and we're going to take a couple of minutes, um, it, well, three or four minutes in those groups, um, and we're going to pray for each other because our world needs more joy.